Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. So uh, Matthew 6, we're coming from uh, Matthew 6, 5 to 13. Okay, it says, uh, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. I like that. Who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, or those people that don't know God, because, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. I like that. It's pretty cool. Um, Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, The title of today's message, your prayer, God's gateway. Your prayer, God's gateway. So, um, I'll start with this, right? So, uh, for those that know me, hopefully everybody knows me. If you don't know me, hey, I'm Andrew. Okay, we've got that over with. All right. So, and what? Eh, debatable. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for those that know me, right, um, for three years, uh, from 2010 to 2013, I worked for a uh, marketing firm uh, called, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it's there anymore. And um, we went door to door for a bunch of different stuff, right? That's where I met Jane here. And um, when I left, we were going door to door, and this is to tell you how difficult it was for most people. We're going door to door, trying to get people to give us $25 a month for a charity on the spot. Okay, so imagine this. We knock on your door, and in a five-minute conversation, we convince you to give us your credit card on the spot and put it in an iPad and convince you that it was your idea to do it. That's how good we had to be in communication, right? And while working there, I, th- I thank God a lot for working there because it taught me a lot and actually helped. I believe that God used it to help make me into the person that I am today. Um, and uh, every morning before we hit the field, that's what we call do to We called it the field, right? Uh, we had these things called morning meeting or like motivational speaker speakings, right? To like get us pumped, to get us ready to go. And my boss would always say, Statements like this. If you want stock tips, 
don't ask the taxi driver. He would say, if you wanted to be, if you wanted advice on, a, on how to be a millionaire, you don't ask the shift leader at Rite Aid. Okay. Um, and the, 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 there's a lot of things that I learned from there, but, but one of the things that I hold near and dear to my heart that's making me the person that I am is this. They subconsciously chiseled it into my mind, that I know Jane's mind, but they, they definitely chiseled it into my mind of be weary of the person that has theory but no demonstration. Okay. Be weary of the person that talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk they talk. Okay, um, us in a society, we live in a society where we champion theory and we champion knowledge, but we minimize practical application and experience to where we'll sit in a room and have someone tell us how to run a business, but then if you ask them, how many businesses have you ran, they don't have any for you. Okay. We have to be, if you want to be the best teacher, right? If you want to be the best teacher, then you have to be the best example of what you require. Okay. If you want individuals to look at whatever you're doing or whatever you're saying as something that has weight and substance, then they have to be able to look into your life through the glass window that you provide them and see what you're teaching me is not just words, but you do this. Like this is something that's real for you. This is something that's a reality for you. The, the reason why I talk about my mom so much, and sometimes she doesn't like it, but I'm glad that she's here, is because my mom lived such a life in front of me that disqualified me from ever saying that God didn't exist. So if I wanted to say that God didn't exist, I wouldn't have to go through God to feel convicted. I just look at her. And just by studying my mother's life, I would have to sit with the reality that even though I'm refusing to think mentally that this is possible, there's someone in front of me living this out every single day and they're demonstrating the reality of God inside of a human. And so me as a person, I have to come to grips with the fact that this is a choice that I have to make, but I can no longer live under the excuse that it's impossible to live this way. But it's a choice that I have to make. It's a choice that I have to come to. And when I look at Jesus and when I look at the life that Jesus lived, I see an individual that was so heavenly minded and earthly good at the same time that when he came into a place, you had to make a decision. That there was no gray zone about him. That there was no, that there was no place where it was like, eh, it's just Jesus, take it or leave it. It was like, no, you look in the scripture and you either see thousands of people following him and pulling on his clothes or thousands of people saying crucify him. There's no in between. And 
Jesus, I can only imagine being next to Jesus, right? Reading the scriptures and looking at him. And I say to myself, okay, when Jesus called his disciples to himself, he told them, follow me, right? We, we all know the scripture of Peter when he comes on the boat and says, Peter, you've been catching fish, but I've been teaching you to catch men, right? But newsflash, I think sometimes we have to take ourselves out of the context of the 21st century America, Twitter, Facebook, and everything like that, and put, us, put ourselves in the shoes of individuals that live at that time. Because when Jesus said, follow me, he did not mean kind of keep me to yourself and go home. Follow me for them meant, here's a grown man fishing and bringing home food for his wife, his kids, supporting his household. And Jesus says, follow me. And what Peter does is leaves everything, literally. Stops fishing, stops, stops going after the things that's bringing him income to follow Jesus. He lived such a life of demonstration that when he said, follow me, the first thing that they said is, let's go. That I've seen something from you that, you know what, I can't get from anywhere else. I've seen something from you and your words have so much weight. Your words have so much validity until I'm willing to leave behind the very thing that puts food in my mouth to come after whatever you're doing. That you haven't showed me what it is, but for what you've showed me up to this point, I'm going to follow you. Okay. And so the disciples here, they're following Jesus. They're following him. And they're literally watching him. Right? In the job world, we'd call that shadowing. Right? And they're literally walking around with Jesus, shadowing Jesus, talking to people. They're shadowing Jesus heal the sick. They're shadowing Jesus raise the dead. They're, they're, they're shadowing Jesus watching him multiply food and open up blinded eyes and clean people that have leprosy. And they're watching, them, they're watching him every single day. And I can only picture them going, okay, if this man has power, because when this scripture was given, he hadn't said that he's the son of God yet. He hadn't said anything like that. He's just working. As, as we would say in 21, he's, he's doing him. He's just doing his thing. And the scriptures say of this, uh, of this occurrence in Luke, in, in, in Luke's gospel, he says it a little differently. It says, when it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, teach us to pray. Okay. I, for one, nine times out of ten only ask questions of someone I think I can get a proper answer from can we agree okay so if Jesus is doing all of these things and the first question in their mind has to be how does he get these things done how does he heal the sick how does he raise the dead how does he do all of these things that he's doing there has to be a connection there has to be something that he's doing that I don't see anyone else doing around me so that triggers the question, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ask him, teach us to heal the sick. They didn't ask him, Lord, teach us to raise the dead, even though that would be cool. And if that was outlined in scripture, trust me, there'd be like tons of colleges all over the place on like how to do that stuff, right? 
They didn't ask him, Lord, how do we have peace of mind? Lord, how do we do this? And how do we do that? And how do we make people follow us? And how do we make people buy into the fact that you're an awesome savior or guy in front of us? They look at his life and they say, okay, in order for him to do what he's doing, there must be a connection. And if there's a connection, then I want to know, how do I get connected? How do I connect? How do I have the vertical that you have so I can do the horizontal that you do how do I have the connection that you have that I can demonstrate the life that you demonstrate and so Jesus says next slide Vanna White okay Um, Jesus says in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Hallowed just means set apart or holy is your name. But I want to focus on verse 10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can everyone say that with me? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Now, my question is, Jesus, when you speak, you're very, very intentional with the words that you use. Right? I, I don't see Jesus just wasting words. Right? He's very, very specific. And he says, your kingdom come. Right? So I took the liberty of looking up kingdom. All right? Next, next, next slide. Three definitions here. One, the country, state, or territory. And I'm going somewhere with this, so just rock with me. Country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. Two, the spiritual reign or authority of God. And three, the king's domain. Now, my question is, okay, Jesus, why are you saying, let your kingdom come? He had to be familiar with the king and know his character, know his ways, know who he is, know his character, know his demonstration, and know what it's like when the king sets up residence in order for him to say, let your kingdom come. Okay, that's a bit lofty. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. You are the king and queen of your home. Okay. When people step into your home, they are stepping into a domain, a space that you rule and take dominion over. Okay. If I've met you for the first time and I come into your house, I'm not just going to open your fridge. Okay? Because at the end of the day, I'm a guest in your home. Okay? Every single room in your home, every single dish, every table, every everything is engraved with your DNA and your fingerprint in your home. Okay? I promise you that if I were to go to, let's say, Danny's home, and I were to go to Mei Ling's home, it would feel different. Because they're different people. There would be different things on the walls. Different scriptures. Okay. What Jesus is saying in this context with God is, Lord, let the dominion of your rulership come here. Okay, so when we pray, what we pray, right? When we pray, 
What we're saying is rock with me. Okay. When you say let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what you're essentially saying is let the reality of the king's dominion come here. Okay. My question is if that's what Jesus is doing and that's the example, why is it important? Why is it important for me to want the king's dominion here? And this is before Jesus died. Okay? And he's telling his followers to pray like this. Want this. Desire this. Desire for God to come and set up camp wherever you are. Desire for God to come and set up shop wherever you are. That if you're in school... It's not, well, I'm just here and I'm a Christian. No, no, no. But when you're there, it's wherever I am, the king's domain is here. That if I'm home, that the king's domain is wherever I am because I'm here. Right? Now, why is it important that the king's dominion be set up wherever we are? Right? The Bible tells us that there's a couple reasons why Jesus came. Right? There's a couple reasons why Jesus died. But the one thing that I want to focus on in this next slide is 1 John 3, 8. It says, for the purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he would destroy the works of the devil. Now stop. I know that we don't use the devil word a lot. Right? So let me use another uh, politically correct word. Okay? Uh, he was manifested to destroy the works of the one who antagonizes love. Okay. He was manifested to destroy the works of the one that antagonizes right relationship with God. Okay. Now, if we were to break down what are the works of the enemy, right? What are the works of the enemy? One of them, I should have made this a slide, but one of them is a distorted image of the Father. A completely distorted image of God. The Bible tells us a story of a blind man. And Jesus, he comes to Jesus. And the first thing that they ask Jesus is what sin did this person create? Why is he like this? There has to be something that went wrong. And this is God's judgment on him. The distorted image of the father is saying... That the reason why this is this way is because God is displeased and God hates this person. Therefore, this is why what's in their life is in their life. Jesus doesn't even answer their question. He simply says, they're like this for the glory of God to be revealed. That's it. Doesn't even give them the time of day. One of the things that the enemy does is distorts the image of the father until coming to the father becomes uncomfortable for us to where we don't want to come to the father. And if we do come to the father, we come to the father kind of shuffling off all the good things that we do to him like dollar bills. Well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. But the true nature of the father is saying, listen, before you even got here, I knew you. And nothing that you do ever surprises me. 
Every single thing that you've been through in your life, I've seen it, I've seen it, I know it, and I'm not surprised, I'm not shaken, I'm not shook up, I'm not frustrated, I'm not in a mental conundrum. No, my love is still extended to you because I know who's drawing you and I know where you're going to end up. Okay. Like I said, I'm rocking, right? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, right? Two, the work of the enemy is to distort your view of yourself. To distort your view of yourself. How, and I love psychology, and I go there all the time, but I'm not going to go there today, but I'll just keep it, keep it funky. All of us are living a life that we've thought of in our minds. Think about it. The way you perceive things come from the mental image that you have of self. So if you view yourself as unable to do something, you won't be surprised when you see you not doing that thing in your actual life. Okay. I'll I'll come I'll come from a different direction. In my life, right, I'll tell you what's happening right this second. Okay. At the end of the month, I'm going to release my first book. Okay. And I, and I don't say that to boast. Hopefully you get it. If you don't, well, get it anyway. Um, going to be working on doing music. Okay. Doing live events. And there's a bunch of different things that I'm doing. Why? Because for the first time in my life, since last year, something clicked in my head that when the word says that I can do all things, I actually believe it now. Really? That anything, the, the, the Bible says, and this isn't even in my notes, but I'm going to just go like this and then come back here. The, the, the Bible says, submit your plans to the Lord and they will prosper. Okay. The Bible says that I will give you whatever you ask for if you delight yourself in me, right? So if he says that if I delight myself in him, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. I actually take him seriously now. Where it's like, okay, all I have to do is keep this straight. All I have to do is keep my eyes focused on you. And if I keep my eyes focused on you, I know that my world will be completely under your control. That every single step I take is already ordained by you. And let, let that like, let that sink in for a second. There's tons of programs and 10 steps and this, this, that, that, and the third. And yes, there's books for all of those things. But when the Bible says, right, that he calls us believers, right? The first Christians weren't called Christians. They were called believers because they just believed. He actually means it. He literally means, take my word as fact. That my word is realer than the skin on your bones. That if I speak it, it's life and it's meat and it's air to you. That my word is more real than the breath that you see when you breathe and it's cold. That if you were to literally take me at my word, there's things in your life today that you can literally step over and walk over simply because you believe. 
detour. Okay. The last work of the enemy is a distorted view of the world, right? Because if we see God wrong and we see ourselves wrong, then naturally we're going to see the world around us wrong. Naturally, we're going to see people, places, and things wrong. You look in the world today and you see racism and you see slavery and you see greed and you see all these things that we see. It's the work of the enemy. The work of the antagonist of love. And the Bible says that Jesus came on the scene to expose him and destroy him. That he came on the scene to expose what he's doing and completely dismantle them. Okay. But I'm going to dive in another direction. Jesus isn't here physically anymore. Okay. My question to all of us is, but who's here? Who's here, Frank? Say it again. We're here. Okay. A king can never set up dominion somewhere unless an ambassador of his goes first. Okay. A king can never set up residency like Obama can never just show up in Cuba and say, hey. There has to be a message that goes forth before he gets there. Letting them know the president's coming. Okay, I'm going to get even simpler than than that. Whenever there's a block party, does a block party just show up? No. You see, do not park here tomorrow. Because tomorrow, there's going to be a block party here. Okay. Jesus has left us as his sign on the tree that says tomorrow the king is coming here, right? Jesus has left us completely on display, right? What's the next slide? Through prayer, right? Now through prayer, we're sticking with the topic of prayer and I'm going to land the plane and then we're going to, right? Through prayer, you become his ambassador, right? What's the definition? A, a, A diplomatic agent of the highest rank sent to a foreign government as a representative of his or own or his or his own government usually with a special message okay how do i know that this is true next slide the bible says now then we are what ambassadors for christ as though god was pleading through us We become ambassadors of Christ as if God himself was using us as the conduit to get through to somebody else. Okay. My notes are done. And I'm just going to go with Holy Spirit and preach. Okay. In 15 minutes, Ro cut me off. I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. What if... We realized that when we pray, 
that we're not simply throwing requests at God. What if when we pray, we realize that through my prayer, I'm literally setting up the government of God around me. Now, why is setting up the rulership and the reign of God around us important? Because when we look at the life of Jesus, whenever someone came into the presence of Jesus, they stepped into the rulership and the dominion of a king. And when they stepped into the rulership and the dominion of a king, you have no choice but to be healed. Because where I'm from, sickness doesn't exist. When, 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 when you step into the, the, the reign of my king, you have no choice but to get joy. Why? Because depression doesn't exist in his kingdom. When, 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 when you step into the reign and, and, and the government of my king, you have no choice but to prosper. Why? Because God doesn't understand poverty. He gets it, but that doesn't exist where he is. What if we genuinely looked at our lives as conduits? What if we looked at our lives at electric jacks to the world? What if we looked at our lives and where people can say, okay, this person is plugged in somewhere. This person is connected somewhere. That when this individual prays, I know that something happens because they're pulling down a reality that's different. When you pray, you're not simply just saying, God, bless me and God, heal my family and God, keep my family safe. But when you talk to God, you're literally pulling down a reality. Okay. When you talk to God, you're literally pulling down a government. You're pulling down a system where love dominates. You're pulling down a system where grace and mercy is not an option. It's the currency. Right? When, 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 when you pray, when you pray and when you talk to God, you're literally saying, wherever my hands touch is going to be touched for the king. Why? Because I'm his conduit. I'm his ambassador. I'm his point of contact. Can God do anything? Yes. Will God do anything? Yes. Do we see God doing everything? No, because we're not doing anything. Can my cell phone jack charge my phone? Yes, but it won't. Why? Because it's not plugged into the wall. Because it's just not plugged into the wall. And so what I, what I want this message to be for is literally shock us to prayer. Like literally wake us up to ask God to bring down a different reality. Because he, he, here's the truth of the matter. His presence is not simply, yes, the Bible says that where two and threes are gathered in his name, he is there. Okay. How? Ever, the Bible also tells us that when we receive Jesus, we receive the power that he walked in. That we receive ambassadorship, that we receive 
the title deed of son and daughter. And if we have the title deed of son and daughter, then we can ask the father for whatever we want and it will be given. Okay. What would it look like if heaven's reality invaded your home? What would it look like if the reality of God invaded our workplace? What would it look like if we just walked into work and someone looked at us and said, I don't know what's going on with you, but whatever you got going on, I want that. Right? What, 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 what would happen if, if we're having an argument with our spouse and I'm not married yet? But what would happen if, if we're having an, an argument with our spouse and beforehand we just saturated ourselves in prayer and we said, okay, once I get home, the government of God is going to set up in my house. What would happen if when we walked into the house, our spouse looks at us and simply says, yo, I, I don't know, but I, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know. And I don't have the words, but forgive me. And yes, it is our responsibility to always point and give glory to Jesus 110%. But the way God gets glory is not just us pointing to him. The way he gets glory is by operating in the power and authority that he paid for us to have in the first place. When you speak, your words have power. Literally. You're not just talking to air. You're not just talking to the sky. And you're not saying, well, Jesus, please. Paul said, we approach the throne of grace, not sheepishly, not afraid, not scared, not frightened. That we approach God's grace not with, well, maybe he will. I mean, I don't know. Whatever you see fit. No, he says to approach the throne of grace boldly. With confidence. Not wavering. Not afraid. Not doubtful. Not, wor not, not worrying whether or not he's hearing me. Because newsflash, God is going to operate through you but he's just waiting for you to believe that he will. God will operate through you. If there's something going on in your home, I promise you, if you step into your home with the truth of the government of God is here, because I'm here, because an ambassador of God is here, and because an ambassador of God is here, sickness has no place in my home. And I will not tolerate it. I won't tolerate it. My mother's a living with mom. How? And I just, I'm just going to throw this out there and then I'm done. And then I'm going to, is it, is it okay if we do like some communal prayer? I mean, it's like 538. So we have time. Mom is a witness. And I'm not just saying this to, because, but like I lived with this, right? So I don't have a choice. How often do you get sick? Huh? 
Huh? Like, say it again. I'm about to cry. We genuinely believe that we have no choice but to go through what we're going through. We, we genuinely believe that there's certain things that we go through that we just have no choice and we just have to accept it as it is. And God's testing me and God's doing this and we make up all these hyper-spiritual things to make ourselves feel good about the mess that we're going through. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. So newsflash, if you're depressed... There's destruction happening. I don't see God in that. I don't. If, 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 if there's a lot of sickness and a lot of lack and this, this, that, that, and the third, and it's like, well, I got to endure like a good soldier. What? The Bible says he's come to give us life and life in abundance. He didn't come to give us figure it out so that you'll be a wiser person. He, 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 he didn't come to give us a reality of, well, all things were, yes, all things work together for good. But that is not a spiritual excuse that we hype up just so that we can make, our, make ourselves feel better to accept the mess that we're in. Yes, all things work together for good. Absolutely. 110%. But there is also authority and power that God has given you. And when you pray, when you tug down on heaven, when you tug down on the reality of Jesus, when you tug down on what he paid for, what you're saying is this has to line up to whatever's up there. And I want whatever's up there to come down here. We're not living a life of just waiting to get to heaven. We can have heaven every day. I'm going to say that again. We're not just waiting to get to heaven. So if that's what we're doing, let me be the awkward roadblock and say, stop. We're not waiting for just some place up there where everything is better. What God is saying right now your home can be a place where love is king your job can be a place where mercy is king your family can be a place where joy is king that you do not have to simply succumb to what you see but you can be a conduit you can be the phone jack injecting another reality into your world now and so what I want us to do, I feel this, like what I want us to do is, what I want us to do is to, 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 to grab a neighbor, right where we are, just grab a neighbor. I'll be your neighbor, Kelby. I want us to ask our neighbor what would you like Jesus to do for you? Go ahead, ask him. 
Okay, now answer them. <laughs> like whatever you want Jesus to do, like just give them an answer. Okay. Now, the next thing I want us to do, and we're going to all do this together, as the music plays and as Ellie... We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.